The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're coming to you live from my home in, in Los Angeles and from a couple of other places. We're really thrilled to be here with you this morning. But hey, before we get started, I got to do one thing. Um, I, I, I got to do a big shout out to all of you because we lost uh, Chadwick Boseman over the weekend. And I know that every, like everyone just said, it was like a gut punch that someone so young, so talented could be gone because of colon cancer. And it reminded me, you know, just sort of sucked the breath out of me. And I know it, it was this way for so many people, but it reminded me of a couple of different things. A, a couple of years ago, I was, it was probably 10 years ago now, I was at a, um, autism research, uh, Institute conference and there, they were doing presentations about a bunch of different things and you could pick and choose which presentations you wanted to go to. But I was at one presentation at the end of it, all the doctors who presented, who each had their own practice said, hey, by the way, we have a public service announcement that we have see, been seeing a high number of three different types of cancer in the parents of the children that we teach. And we haven't started taking data on it yet, but we wanna reach out to, because there's so many parents in the room, we wanna suggest that you all get regularly tested for breast cancer, colon cancer, and prostate cancer. And, and they said, you know, we don't, we don't know why, but we are seeing a sharp, sharp, um, you know, way too many people who are parents of kiddos on the spectrum are um, having these things happen. And perhaps because they were busy taking care of their kiddo on the autism spectrum, they didn't get it diagnosed early enough and we're seeing some tragedies. And they said, so please spread the word. And I try to remember to talk about that from time to time. I know it's a bummer, but listen, um, if you love Chadwick Boseman and if you love your kiddo and you are a parent on the autism spectrum, I wanna put that in your ear today. You can ask your doctor, even through distance, you don't have to go into the doctor's office. You can send them an email message today and say, hey, I'd like to do the little test where it's terrible. You gotta smear things on a piece of paper and mail it back. But you can do that distance learning and that does help to screen a lot of colorectal cancers. I will say though, that um, if possible, you know, and if you are somebody who's at risk or if you feel at all inclined that it's a good thing to get your regular, you know, where they do, can't, I'm like having a brain fart, but I can't think of what they call that test, you know, where they put you to sleep and they go up in there and they take a look and they see if there are any polyps. I have a very dear friend who, um, young and healthy 
and you know eats very well and he went in and decided that he was going to have uh what do they call that i can't think what they call that test anyway <clears throat> and his wife one of my dearest friends from way back in college was waiting in the waiting room and they came out and they said okay look we found something and it is cancer and what a devastating day i got to tell you nobody wants that and i'm not saying that to scare you but i'm i'm saying it to tell you that he then went through 9 months of treatment and is fine and will be fine for the rest of his life and i know that if we could all go back in time we would take Chaz chadwick boseman back to a time when that was a possibility for him so I want you to think about, look at your kiddo that you love so much and how much you wanna be here for them and order at least the smear test. So um, the screening test so that you can see and, and order early. I know that they were talking about it this morning saying, you know, they really don't recommend people start getting those until they're 45. Let's start a new trend. Um, Chadwick Boseman left so many legacies. Let that, let that be a new legacy. Let's make sure that we save lives in his name, Wakanda forever, right? Uh, okay, so having said that, I, uh, um, I wanna say to all of you, I know that it's, we live in interesting times where we're here. We're gonna be with you for the next hour. We're gonna talk about autism from a 360 degree perspective, even talking about your poo, right? Uh, and we are always trying to be here to provide information and inspiration. I don't know if any of you had a chance to watch the Ed Asner Family Center Poker Tournament over the weekend. We watched every single minute of it and to see so many stars who turned out and agreed to play poker and were auctioning things. And hey, there are many auction items. If you go to pokerwithed.com, you can bid against me. I'm not gonna tell you what I bid on because I really want it, but I, I'm one of the bids and I'm the high bid on something. So go ahead, bid against me. Let's raise some money for autism, but I'm not gonna tell you which thing I bid on. Uh, so there. You'll have to you have to look and guess and see if you can figure it out. But um, there's some great things there, you guys. And so go and see if there's something that you want to bid. It's not too early to be looking for Hanukkah and Christmas presents, right? Because most of us are going to have to get them shipped, and we need to start early. Uh, okay. So uh, I also want to remind you that this show is meant to be interactive. We love to hear from you. And there are some days when I say to you, "Oh, I need I need to hear you. I need to know that you're here with me." Today is one of those days, please, please let me have the comfort of your presence in uh, dialogue with me. Uh, I would love to have that. There are lots of different ways to participate. You can, you're probably, if you're watching this live right now, you're watching us either on our homepage, autism-live.com. And there is a chat at the bottom of that page. It's not the most expeditious way to talk to us right now. The best way to talk to us live right now is either on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, and we are live on both of those right now, as well as on Twitter and Periscope. Now, if you like to watch us in podcasts, which a lot of you do, and thank you, we appreciate you. You are probably watching us podcasts for a free download on iTunes, either just sound or sound and video. Uh, hey, people are writing in. I want to say hi to Reno. Uh, colonoscopy, thank you. Why could I not think what the name of that thing was? Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> You know, you're just like, I cannot find the word. What is it? Uh, okay. So uh, now that's all I'm going to be thinking is colonoscopy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you also could can want, uh, listen to us at least in podcast 
on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Deezer. Those are other places that we are available and more coming up. We're very excited this fall. We have new places that we're going to appear. Hey, if there's some place that you like to get your podcast and it's not on that list that I just mentioned, uh, please tell us. The only reason why we're not there is one of two things. Either they charge the viewers money and we just don't do that, or uh, we don't know. And if we don't know, we don't know, right? And you could be the one to tell us and then we would know. And then that would change things. So please participate and tell us where you like to watch your podcasts. All right. Um, I always like to start the show and remind all of you that we have lots of experts that are here on the show with us on a daily basis. And we've got a great one here for you today. Bonnie Yates is going to be with us a little later. Uh, she's a special education attorney. But I do like to remind all of you that I'm not an expert in autism. That is just not my thing. I am an informed, uh, a person with an informed opinion. Yes, that is very true because I've been hosting shows about autism now for well over a decade. And I am the mom of an individual who was diagnosed with autism at an early age, but that does not make me an expert in autism. What it makes me is someone who, you know how I'm always talking about, we, this show is for the entire autism community. And for me, that starts with individuals who are on the spectrum, of course. They are the beating heart of our community, but I include in that community everyone who loves an individual or individuals on the spectrum, and that's part of that's where I fit into the community. Not an expert, um, but someone who cares, like a lot of you that are out there. We want to see these individuals get the help, the support, the respect, the jobs, the housing, the love. We want them to experience the friendships, all of those things. And if you're a part of that community, then we hope we can provide you with some information and inspiration. Please feel free to write in, uh, but uh, know that I, I will give you my opinion freely. Uh, I'm very fond of doing that, unfortunately, sometimes too often, but we do have experts that are here. And if there's a question that isn't, doesn't match to the expert that we have, I love being sent on a project to find out about more. We don't get to, at this point, we aren't able to answer all the questions that you guys send in, but we do our level best. Be persistent. If, if you feel that I'm ignoring your question, keep asking and I will get around to it. I do eventually. Uh, I'm, I'm here because I, I feel that it's important. We got very lucky, my family. I, I, we got really good early intervention at the right time and it made all the difference. And my son is 17 now and, and happy and verbal and with friends and a wonderful life ahead of him. And I just want to help you to get to the things that are important to you because I had help getting to those things with my son. And heaven knows I needed help because there is no doing this on your own. Uh, so you know what I always say, si se puede, we can do this, but we hold hands virtually right now, virtually, uh, unless we're in person and then we have masks and PPE on, right? Uh, wear the masks, folks. Wear the masks. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that public service announcement. There we go. Okay. So we like to start every morning, Monday morning, with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what on earth are the experts talking about. We have been adding some new jargon of late. And um, this is jargon that always swirled over here for me that I was like, yeah, I don't really care. I don't want to know. Um, but I find that, first of all, you guys have been asking if we could up our game a little bit and include some other jargon. 
Um, but I find that once you know what something is, it's like, oh, it's not that frightening, right? So we've been talking about schedules of reinforcement and different types of reinforcement. And uh, because we know that in, in good quality ABA, applied behavior analysis, it's all about is Am I being rewarded for the behavior that I'm doing? Because if I'm being rewarded in some way, I will likely maintain that behavior. I'll keep doing that behavior. So think about what behaviors you do in your life over and over and over again. I hope you get up every morning and you brush your teeth. Why? What's the paycheck for you in brushing your teeth every day? For some of you, it's the short term oh, you know, my mouth feels better. Um, other people, it's the social aspect of, you know, I want to be able to talk to someone and not feel like my breath is knocking them out. Uh, it might be a pain point for some of you because maybe at some point you forgot to brush your teeth and somebody was like, man, your breath is horrible, right? Uh, it could be that uh, you do it because you like going to the dentist and they tell you, you know, perfect, you've got no cavities. Or again, it could be the pain point that, You've been to the dentist before and they've said, oh, you're gonna be in the chair for hours. You've got all these cavities. But there's some sort of a paycheck for you for having brushed your teeth or you wouldn't do it on a regular basis, right? Now I know when our kiddos are small, we kind of force them to brush their teeth, right? They don't, they're not getting a paycheck from it. Uh, they're like, whatever. So we pair it with other things. Uh, you know, maybe it's good time. Maybe we play that, you know, uh, my son used to have a toothbrush that played a song. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things. Maybe we like the taste of the toothpaste, right? There are all different ways that we add reinforcement in. Well, when we're trying to strengthen behaviors that we want to see more of, we need to be very mindful about how we're providing reinforcement. And I know you guys are always worried. You're like, well, if I make everything exciting and fun and I give them a reinforcer for everything, why aren't they ever just doing something because it's the right thing to do? I always get one parent who, you know, is like, well, I don't want to have to praise them and reinforce them for, you know, because they should just be nice to their grandmother because they, you know, it's the right thing to do, right? And I love that thinking, heaven knows I come from uh, a long line of people who felt that way. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that we can get to lifelong behavior of somebody doing something, even when we're not there, when we're not forcing it, if we reinforce it. So we need to be mindful of how we're reinforcing. Um, and we also need to be able to fade our reinforcement. So in the beginning, we talked about sometimes in the very beginning of a behavior when something is hard or it's new, we might be giving consistent, constant reinforcement, but eventually we start changing it up a little bit. So last week we, we talked about certain things. This week, our term today, in any case, is variable ratio reinforcement. Oh man, it just hurts my head, right? Variable ratio. Okay, uh, but let's see if we can make heads or tails of it. So let's start with the actual definition, variable ratio reinforcement. In operant condition, a variable ratio schedule is a schedule of reinforcement where a response is reinforced after an unpredictable number of responses. What in the heck? Operant conditioning right there. I'm just like, uh. I, like every time somebody says operant conditioning, I just like want to take an ice pick to my ice pick to my head because I'm like, what does that even mean? A variable ratio schedule is a schedule 
Oh, thank you. That cleared it up. A reinforcement, so much better now. Where a response is reinforced, thank you for mixing the words up for me. Now I get it. After an unpredictable number of responses. Okay, so let's take a look at our working definition and see if we can't figure this out and why you would use this. We call this, I call this, slot machine reinforcement. You don't know how many times you will have to try, but the rewards are often enough and large enough to keep the behavior happening. So think about if you've ever been in a casino and you see those people that are carrying around a bucket of change and they're, they plop down in front of a machine and they stick the money in and they stick the money in and the stick, they stick the money in. And I don't know about you, but I go, my goodness, terrible way to spend a day, right? But I know people who absolutely love this. Why? Because at some point they have stuck, they've either seen it or it's happened to them where they stuck the coin in and ka-ching and money came flowing out and you want to have it again. And it's reinforcing enough and the potential of the reinforcement is enough that you keep doing it. So what does this have to do with us and our kiddos? So, you know, we do a lot of things in life where we get a slot machine reinforcement from them. Like, you know, uh, for instance, I, the examples that I was using before about, you know, a kiddo being nice to their grandmother, because somebody wrote in about that last week or two weeks ago. Um, you know, we make it reinforcing for them that they are nice to grandma, right? Well, you can be nice to grandma a hundred times and maybe somebody says to you, oh, you're such a good boy. You're such a nice girl. What a polite kiddo you are, right? But every once in a while, grandma slips you some candy, right? And you go, see, it pays off to be nice to grandma, right? And then when you get older, you know, grandma slips you a 10 or a 20, right? Depending on how wealthy grandma is, that, that amount of money could go up, right? And we learn that, okay, it doesn't happen every time, but there are definite fringe benefits to being nice to grandma. So think about when we start to teach something to a kiddo, and in the beginning, we're going to reinforce it really heavily, but at a certain point, we're going to go to a variable ratio. And we're going to make sure that we, where before, maybe we did 10 trials of something. And after, after they did 10 trials, then they got to play a video game, right? Um, but eventually, as we move on to other things, we want to maintain this behavior, but we don't want to constantly reinforce it, right? So we might move to a variable ratio where, you know, just every once in a while we'll be reminded, hey, I need to reinforce this behavior. Now, I know as a school teacher, this was something really important to me. I talked with you guys last week about kiddos who are attention driven and how a lot of times we'll come up with a baseline for how long can this kiddo go without attention, right? And for some kiddos in the classroom, it's a minute. And if you don't pay attention to them every minute, they are into something and, you know, they, they get up to mischief just so that they can get the reinforcement. So maybe, you know, you do the baseline and you go, okay, they can go a minute. So every, you set your little watch uh, at every 55 seconds, it gives you a little buzz and, and you remember to say, hey, Joey, good job. And in the beginning, it feels like, oh, my watch is buzzing and I got to remember to say, Joey, good job. But the truth of the matter is saying, good job, Joey, takes you, what, two seconds? Whereas dealing with the fallout from when Joey needed attention takes you 10 minutes and then you got to get everybody back on track. 
And once you establish that, okay, Joey, Joey's getting it, 55 seconds, boom, nice work. I like how you're thinking, Joey. This is going, Joey, good work. Let's show the class your work, Joey, right? Joey's bucket starts to be topped off at a regular basis. So now we change the little timer on the watch and we go, okay, we're going to do it every minute and five seconds, right? And we might find that's too long. Joey's like, wait a second, I need my reinforcement. We might have to move it to 57 seconds instead, of, but whatever. We keep moving, moving, moving till, you know, till we get to the point where by the end of the year, we're, we're at an hour that we can go an hour and the watch buzzes and you're like, oh, hey, right, where's Joey? Joey, you're doing a good job, right? If we were to continue this on, eventually uh, we would make it so that it was variable ratio. So we, you know, maybe we don't, we don't actually praise Joey today, um, but we do it twice tomorrow, right? So he never knows where it's coming from, but he knows it's coming. That's the thing. That's where variable ratio works out. And I know that for some of you um, who are worried about that, oh, it seems like I'm having to praise my kid constantly to do work. This is really the promised land. This is where you want to get, where they know that they're going to they're gonna get a reinforcer for something, but they don't know when or how, and they're still doing the behavior. That's when you're at the promised land. So variable ratio reinforcement, it's a good thing. All right, you guys, moving on. We have a question for you. This is the question of the day. And we look forward to hearing your answers on Facebook and YouTube, or you can write to me at s.penrod at autism-live.com. Who do you want to thank? I know it's not even September, let alone Thanksgiving. But you know, um, gratitude is the antidote for being in dis-ease when you don't feel good. Uh, when you feel like something's wrong, when you are feeling anxious, when you feel like, I don't know if it's ever going to be okay, when you feel um, like everything is wrong and nothing could be right, uh, gratitude is the antidote. So I'm encouraging all of you today to think of who would, I'm saying hi to Huma, uh, who would you like to thank? Who is the person on your list? And it could be somebody from a long time ago. Is it your kindergarten teacher? Is it, you know, your sixth grade math teacher? Is it your parent? Who would you like to thank today? Who would you like to do a shout out to? I don't know why, but today I um, am thinking about a student that I had in my classroom who was a game changer. Um, she just was so full of uh, life and energy and still is and has gone on to be an amazing teacher on her own. And uh, I just want to thank her because she kept me on my toes as a teacher and reminded me how important it was to be a good teacher. So that's my shout out today. But who do you want to thank? I, I want to encourage you today to find five minutes to think about, and it can be more than one person. You know, if you have a bunch of people that you want to thank, well, that bank is always open, right? And, you know, it's free interest. <laughs> Oh, you can do it as much as you want. And I got to tell you, when you shout out to somebody and say, I just want to thank so-and-so or drop them an email, post something on Facebook and say, I'm thanking so-and-so today for such and such, man, it's a game changer. And it's, I think it's a game changer for those people, but I think it's, you know, it's an inside job too. It's a game changer for us because 
it's that old lesson about, have you ever done this at a workshop where somebody says, let's take a moment and let's look at all of the blue things in the room. Everybody take a minute, look around the room and see all the blue things that are in the room, right? And just notice, you know, uh, where everything is. Now close your eyes and think about all of the blue things that are in the room with your eyes closed, focusing on what are the blue things in the room? Now, keeping your eyes closed, I want you to think about how many brown things are there in the room? How many brown things are there in the room? And now open your eyes and see all of the brown things. It's like, whoa, I'm living in a world of brown, right? Um, so, you know, what we pay attention to is what we will see. If all you're looking for is the blue, you'll see the blue. If then somebody says, hey, let's take a minute and look at the brown, it's like, wow, brown is available too. So um, gratitude and, and being in a space where they're understanding that there are good things in the world, whew, a good place to be in today. Let's be grateful for the things that are good and let's thank people who have done good things for us. So there you go. Who do you want to thank? Let's reach out and thank them. Okay, we always have a topic of the week. I have no idea. I don't remember. I set the topic of the week a long time ago. Um, so I don't, oh, there it is. Because, you know, a week from today is Labor Day here in the United States. And um, this is a national holiday where we celebrate the working individual. And um, I want to talk about this week, the difference between when something is labor um, and when it's passion. I find that if I'm doing hard work, but I know that there is a reward for it, um, it's not as hard. And I think that when we are doing what we love, it doesn't feel like work. It just doesn't. And there isn't enough of that in the world. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I think there needs to be more of that. If we all had the opportunity to do something that we love, um, the world would be a better place. Maybe we would stop picking at each other so hard. Maybe. I don't know. It's just a theory. So we're going to talk a little bit about labor versus passion. I see this a lot of times um, in our individuals who are on the autism spectrum, when they find the thing that they're passionate about and they are, uh, they, someone feeds their passion and it could be anyone, a parent or a teacher or anyone feeds that passion and says, I, I think you got something there. I think I would run in that direction. Those are happy people. Those are really happy people. I mean, I'm thinking about Danny Bowman, who is a wonderful, wonderful artist. And I love that her aunt and uncle fed that passion at a very early age and decided that they were going to make it possible for her to do whatever she wanted to do. And now she teaches other individuals on the autism spectrum how to animate. I mean, you know, and she's one of the happiest people that I know. Right. So, uh, but I also think too, for parents of kiddos who are on the autism spectrum in the beginning, when you realize all the things that you have to do for your kiddo, all the things that, you know, people will tell you, well, you know, you got to do ABA and I agree with them. Uh, and I think you got to do as much ABA as you possibly can. And in the beginning, it feels like, oh my gosh, this is an insurmountable amount of work. And then somebody else says, well, now you need to look at diet. <gasps> and you're in the overwhelm, right? Uh, but I've often talked about the fact that there's a, there's a, a bend in the road. And um, for a lot of people, 
you know, there's, there's a moment that comes and it doesn't come easily for everyone, but there comes a moment when you see your kiddo making progress and you go, oh, I think instead of looking at this work, I, th I think I should maybe try to enjoy the ride. I should try to enjoy the fact that there are people helping us and that this is a process and I'm, I've been thinking of it as an, I'm waiting for the arrival, but while I'm hankering for the arrival, I'm missing the journey. And when you can get to that point where you go, okay, we are working hard here, but it's because we are passionate about it. Everything changes, everything changes. So uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about that this week. So on the show today, we have the incomparable Bonnie Yates. She's a special education attorney. She is an amazing mom. She is with a law firm, Tolner, uh, the Tolner Law Firm. And I don't know if she is already with us yet, Traven. Um, I'm guessing not, or you would have told me. Uh, so we have time for a couple of questions. If you guys want to write in a question about anything, you would need to do so quickly. And, oh, maybe Bonnie is there. Bonnie is there. Okay. So that's fabulous. So Bonnie Yates is joining us right now. Oh, she was there. Yep. She's there. Hey, Bonnie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Maybe the background is too sunny though. Can you see or do it? Should I? It's we can, it is, uh, the, the window is intense, but we can, we can see you. Let me. Um, it comes and goes sometimes. Let me move. Let me move. It's a beautiful window though. I know, I, I like working in this room. Got beautiful trees out there. Yes, that's great. We can yeah. see you now. Yeah. Hey, Bonnie. Uh, and so I was just saying to folks that you are with the Tolner Law Offices, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about them. Tolner Law Offices. Good morning, everybody. Tolner Law Offices is an eight attorney firm. We're based in San Jose, Los Angeles, and Irvine. And we focus specifically on disability discrimination, special education, regional center eligibility, and university cases. Um, so obviously most of our work, uh, right now concerns adapting to all of the gymnastics required by COVID-19. Yeah. So, um, I had some stuff for you guys. Were there any questions? I got to tell you, there were no questions this week and I have a theory about that. What do that I? What's your theory? My theory is that right now everyone is like, because... <laughs> Like either you just started and you're like, I don't even know what it is yet. I don't even know what to ask for. I don't even know what they've given me mm -hmm. or you're about to start and you're just finding out what they're giving you so that everyone's sort of kind of frozen and, and like a little unsure. Yep. Taking a wait and see. What's your theory? Similar. And I think it's also that the language has changed and people aren't sure what the reference sources are or what questions to ask. And, yeah. you know, as a matter of fact, I felt very much like, you know, I mean, most of our feelings are subconscious first and then they kind of percolate up to the surface and we hope they become conscious. But maybe two weeks ago, I started realizing it's really uncomfortable to not know what the rules are. Now, I mean, when, when an attorney goes to an IEP meeting, 
we do know the rules and the situation is always novel and we have to be nimble and adapt to that. But we do know, like if the district says, well, we don't do an assessment if you're only, you know, two standard deviations below the norm, we know to say, well, that's not right because we know what the law is. For us, this sort of cessation of the old rules and imposition of these new, let's call them customs because they're supposed to be temporary and they're not supposed to be the permanent rules has um, whacked the attorneys out as well. So if you're feeling whacked, you know, I mean, also it's hard because when you realize that you're in a novel situation, it's not clear where to go to get help because there hasn't been a lot of stuff published yet, like, you know, rights law or special education rights and responsibilities or even OAH decisions. So, you know, so what I said, I think the last time we were on the show, if I didn't, I got this from my colleague, Dr. Ann Simon. She said, listen, what you do is if your child is enrolled in distance learning, you take the assignments that you're given every day and you print them out and you put them in a physical binder because the links to those emails are gonna disappear. So you print, so you put those in a notebook and you, every time you, uh, your child logs in to upload work, you, you note that. And then every time you get grades back, you note that and you print that out. I should have said you print out what the student uploads too. So you're creating a physical binder and it would almost help to think of yourself as like, you're the teacher of this entire class and this is gonna be your syllabus and your, your data for your grades and things like that. And then every day there's a schedule. So, you know, like is the schedule being adhered to? What's the student receiving during the schedule? What's the student's reaction to what he's being asked to learn? Is that working for him? There's really like no detail too small as far as I'm concerned, because what you're gonna be doing is you're gonna be coming back in two months or six months and saying that this distance learning plan was wholly inadequate. It didn't comport to my IEP. You didn't follow the mandate of the federal government to, to do your best to try to implement the IEP creatively and flexibly. And so therefore you're on the hook for X, Y, and Z stuff now. So that made me feel better when Dr. Simon said that, cause it's like, oh, okay. That's like, A, I should have thought of that, but anyway, you know, now we have something to give our clients that's very concrete. And the main um, obstacle for them is gonna be, it's probably gonna be hard for them to take real-time data just cause there'll be a lot of data. But I think you should really try to do it very assiduously for like the first 30 days. I wonder if you're gonna see some interesting patterns that will really let you see where the student is succeeding and where the student is struggling. So here's an example of something that came up last week that's sort of interesting. This family has their ABA provider in home, but it's still not working because the ABA provider requires their employees to um, maintain a six foot distance and wear a mask. And so they can't really see what the kiddo is doing on his computer, but his mom can see, and he's going on there and like he's, he's trying to play video games. He's not paying attention. The material is boring. So I said, you know, like take hour by hour data. We're going to need it. You know, yeah. Um, 
so there's that. And then we got a great decision last week on stay put. So I wanted to share that. And um, I can, I believe I did send it to you before that show we had that didn't actually happen because you had technical issues. Okay. Last week. The yes. case is called Parent versus Pleasanton United, Pleasanton Unified School District and Contra Costa County Office of Education. So first of all, guys, if you need uh, things to read, you can go online and go to the Special Education Hearing Office website and you can get the OAH decisions. And I'll tell you how the attorneys learn the law. They uh, read these decisions and sometimes they're really boring and they often go on for too long, but they also really contain the law. And there's nothing to prevent you all from looking at some of these decisions and seeing how these cases are decided and how they're codified. Um, it's really available to any to, to any parent. So this was a this was a situation where this child was a medically fragile child and she had a lot of in-home services. They they weren't ABA services, so in some ways we would be trying to extend the same or similar rationales has come up in the decision to what was uh, at issue in the student's case, but I think it can work. So the 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 first thing uh, is that the student had a uh, distance learning plan, and the student's attorney, I'm assuming, decided that the distance learning plan was not working. Uh, so the so the student's attorney filed a motion for stay put. In other words, to get the hearing office to order that the last agreed upon services in the child's IEP would be implemented until the dispute between the parties about the distance learning plan could be resolved. So uh, anyway, um, Student acknowledges that school campuses are closed due to statewide public health orders related to COVID-19. Student requests a stay put order only with respect to essential related services and in students individualized education program. And then the student had uh, documentary evidence and sworn declarations. So you can imagine what the student is getting is written reports from uh, different uh, education providers and also sworn, you know, written declarations under penalty of perjury about how the, dis the distance learning plan was working. So the school district opposed the motion on the grounds that their schools were closed and they said they couldn't provide in-person education. Um, and they also asked that the Office of Administrative Hearings uh, make a finding that the distance learning plan would be the student stay put. So anyway, the hearing office looked at all of this and they went a little bit into the history of how services went in home um, and then they rendered an opinion. So on March 4th, 2020, Governor Newsom declared a state of emergency in California. On March 13th, 2020, he issued an executive order which directed school district operations during public health related school closures. The order directed the California Department of Education and the Health and Human Services Agency 
to jointly develop guidance, ensuring that students with disabilities receive a free and appropriate public education consistent with their individualized education program. Uh, on April 9th, 2020, the California Department of Education implemented the order by issuing special education guidance for COVID-19. Sorry, they have these terrible sirens here for no reason. The guidance does not address the stay put provision under the IDEA. However, the guidance does address whether school districts may provide in-person special education services while schools are closed due to COVID-19. So the question was, is a lead educational agency precluded from providing services to students with disabilities in person or in the home for the purpose of supporting the student in accessing the alternative options for learning being offered? The answer is no, they're not precluded. In some exceptional situations, LEAs may need to provide certain supports and services in person in order to maintain students' mental and physical health and safety for the purpose of supporting the student and accessing the alternative options for learning being offered, e.g. distance learning. So you can see that's exactly what ABA in the home could potentially do. With that said, alternative service delivery options should seek to comply with federal, state, and local health office officials' guidance relating to physical distancing with the goal of keeping students, teachers, and service providers safe and healthy as the primary consideration. Uh, they went on to say that some service providers are deemed executive, uh, sorry, are deemed essential workers under Newsom's executive order, including nurses and assistants, physical and occupational therapists and assistants, social workers, and speech pathologists. The guidance states. Therefore, if an individualized determination is made that a student needs services or supports in person to maintain their mental, physical health and safety for the purpose of supporting the student in accessing the alternative options for learning being offered, e.g. distance learning, a lead educational agency is not necessarily precluded from providing that service by Governor Newsom's stay home order. Um, so, they then talk about uh, the rules as relate to reopening schools, which isn't really necessary to go into here. But then they look at this legal framework and they, they talk about the student in question. She's an 11 year old girl born with a chromosomal syndrome, which significantly impacts all areas of her development. She's orthopedically, cognitively and visually impaired. She is nonverbal. As part of her educational program, student requires speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, adapted PE, and specialized vision services. She also requires a healthcare plan and a full-time licensed vocational nurse as her one-to-one -one aid. Student has seizures and is fed primarily through a tube. Pursuant to her IEP, her full-time LVN is tasked with implementing a checklist of 34 items at each, each school day, including administering medication and tube feeding, monitoring her for seizures, and providing a medical response and repositioning and ambulating her body. Um, everybody agreed on which IEP was a state put IEP, so that wasn't disputed. Um, the parties also agree that the distance learning plan for student does not offer her a FAPE as shown by the exhibits attached to her motion and related filings. 
parents do consent to students distance learning plan. However, Pleasanton and Contra Costa County contend that the distance learning plan is a reasonable and feasible plan under extraordinary cir circumstances. They argue they are not permitted to deliver in-person services to students due to the July 17, 2020 framework, which is probably from the health department, and request that OAH order students distance learning plan be her stay put placement. They go on to say that, that their claim that they can't do this is contradicted by the fact that they have been providing in-person physical therapy to student since July 2020 under an order from the California Department of Education Compliance Unit. The documentary exhibits attached to students' motions and filings show that after being ordered to deliver in-person services, Pleasanton established a detailed protocol to deliver the compensatory physical education in students' home, which has been successful. The California education guidelines under Governor Newsom's executive order established that schools are not precluded from providing in-person educational services. Contra Costa Health Services, the public health authority in which Pleasanton is located, takes the position that they're allowing in-person educational services for any activities that cannot be done remotely and are required for students to be able to, to obtain their uh, education. Finally, uh, they have not provided any legal authority to support a finding that the COVID-19 pandemic creates an exception to the state put requirement. When a stay put placement cannot be implemented exactly as written on the IEP document, school districts must attempt to replicate the placement that existed at the time the dispute arose as closely as possible. The stay put placement must be a complete program for the child. Student has shown that the distance learning plan is not a comparable program um, given her need for intensive services to access her education. Accordingly, student's motion is granted. Within 15 days of this order, the district shall provide in-person services to student in the duration and intensity as described in her IEP in the following areas, licensed LVN, speech therapy, physical therapy, and, vis and vision therapy. Pleasanton and Contra Costa may implement student stay put services with qualified staff from a non-public agency if they so choose. Services may be implemented in the student's home. Nothing in this order requires Pleasanton and Contra Costa to provide services on school sites or with school staff. Amen. So, um, and we do have a bunch of questions that came in, but so for me, what I got out of that, because I don't get nearly as much out of it as you get out of it, but what I got out of that is that um, even with Gover Governor Newsom's shutting down of schools, that essential services still can be provided and that sometimes having in-person in the home is an essential service for some of our kids. Is that, was that the takeaway I was supposed yeah, to Yeah, I mean, they said that they didn't, I think they would have said that ABA services were essential if they were more savvy about how we treat kids with autism in the state. I'm gonna- well, They have determined that ABA is an essential service. That is on the list. It absolutely is. Well, the but decision doesn't- the decision doesn't reference that, but it would be good to get um, my hot little hands on whatever you have that says it's an essential service. But oh yeah, it, absolutely. It's considered an essential medical service. I can help you with that, Bonnie. But the problem I think is the crossover to, is it essential in the class classroom? That's where you're gonna well, have- Well, I mean, let's just say for purposes of discussion that anything that is written into your IEP is essential because 
it's considered fundamental in order to let you access the curriculum. Yeah. So, so I would say the reason I wanted to read this to you guys is A, it's sweet. It's nice to have something sweet on Monday morning. B, I think this, this case shows you that you could go back and you could look at your last agreed upon IEP. And if your distance plan, learning plan isn't working, there is a pathway to getting your last agreed, agreed upon services um, made subject to stay put and could be provided in the home. I'm assuming that she had letters from doctors and people like that that yeah. said that she was regressing. And I mean, of course she was regressing. Those are very, those are very um, uh, difficult services to yeah. implement for somebody that has cognitive and physical delays. I mean, the only other thing, this is just a sidebar, but I'm laughing, is that um, I read the description of how a preschool is going to do distance learning for like little three-year-olds and four-year-olds. And I was just like, really? Like, yeah. we really want to stick them in front of a computer for four hours a day? Like, uh-uh. So anyway, guys, this is, this, is your, this is your ticket out. There you go. I want to read some of the comments and questions. I first want to do a shout out because somebody wrote in and said, hi, my fifth grade homeroom teacher noticed that something was different about me. I had tests done from 1992 to 1993 with a neurologist. Then at age 24 years old, I was diagnosed 15 years ago in September of 2015 with Asperger autism. It's helped a lot to know it's a gift. Uh, someone else said, my son is turning 15 this week and we're in California. His school wants me to sign a transfer of educational rights to prepare for when he turns 18. Do you recommend doing that now? He's very high functioning and I'm not sure that he will, hang on, I gotta scroll. Uh, I'm not sure he will be ready for that responsibility for the whole of his senior year. Well, normally you, what you have with the student is a transition plan in the IEP. I don't usually see people being asked to sign a form like that. It's, it's not necessary because that the way IDEA works and the way the law works in California is when you turn 18, you automatically assume responsibility for your own educational rights, unless you're conserved. Or you can do what like my, one of my 18 year old clients that I've now did, she wrote me a letter and said, dear Bonnie, you know, I don't really feel comfortable representing myself. I want my parents to be my representatives in my dealings with the school district. But you don't need to sign any form. It'll happen automatically. Yeah, I, I'm concerned about why, um, like a lot of times they'll ask you to, at 15, to begin the, the transition to do oh, the- it's supposed to, be, it's supposed to be in place as early as your 14th birthday. But that's but, entirely different from having yeah. them sign, sign a document, you know, waiving rights or confirming rights in somebody else. I mean, you know, if you wanted to, you could shoot the document out to Shannon, um, obviously redact it, and we could show it on the, um, on the air in the future, and we could look at it. That would probably be interesting for a lot of people. Interesting. Um, but yeah, uh, odd, odd, odd thing. Okay, the next comment that we had is, my son is currently under assessment for special education. He has problems with his motor skills. And I noticed that motor development, motor development wasn't checked on the evaluation checklist on the assessment form. And I would like that area to be assessed. I just requested via email, what if they deny my request? What can I do? 
did you write in your email specifics about the reasons that you think he has motor issues? If okay. you did and they say no, you got a couple choices. One is you can file for due process and prove that they should have given you a different assessment plan. But what people more typically do in your situation is they go out and get a private assessment. And then if it confirms that the student has motor problems, the district's gonna be on the hook to pay for that assessment. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that that you know that they didn't check that box. A lot of times though, you know, if it's an initial assessment, what I find in California is they do this tricky little thing where they don't assess for OT until they have determined eligibility, whereas they do psychoed and speech, but it's like they build this little delay in there. So if it takes three months to get up and running with the IEP. Then at the IEP, when the parent says, hey, there are OT concerns, why didn't this get looked at? Oh, we're going to do it now. Yeah. Well, or I remember one year when, when I had this kind of uh, stuff going on, where it's like a shell game. And, and I was like, well, I thought we were going to get evaluated for APE. And they said to me, oh, well, you know, we talked about that back in November, but we didn't think you wanted it. And now it's January. So it's so close to the end of the year by the time he gets evaluated. And I said, no, 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 I want it done right now. Like you're, you're pushing my patience That's here. It's total bootstrapping. Ugh, it's just, it makes you nuts. Cause why do we have to fight? Well, January together? is not the end of the year. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I was, and their argument was, well, by the time we get it scheduled and by the time they do the evaluation and they write up the paper and then we'll implement the, we'll be in May. And that's when they do the testing. I said, get it done and get it done. No, that's ridiculous. I know. Assessment just, plan, the assessment plan, they have 15 days to tender it. You have 15 days to return it. Once you return the signed assessment plan and you don't have to wait 15 days, they have to assess and hold an IEP meeting in, in 60 days. So Shannon, on January 1st, signed the assessment plan, they would have to be meeting with her by March 1st. That's not the end of the year. Right, right. Uh, last comment that we have here is, thank you, Bonnie, for your guidance and helping me make sure my son didn't fall through the cracks. They scheduled my IEP, ordered therapy tools for him, and put in requests to district for him to get in-person learning. This is a big change from what was going on one month ago. I don't think it would have happened if you didn't tell me what I needed to do. And thank you. Well, that's so, nice. Thank that, you. That'll wow. make a day. Totally. Uh, that's a totally. uh, wonderful, wonderful thing. And so, which kind of leads me into a nice segue to talk about the fact that I think we're all reticent to think that we have a legal issue. Um, but the fact Why of the matter is, is. Why is that? Because you know why it is, Bonnie? Because we're already fighting a land war in Asia. We have a child on the autism spectrum, and now I, you know, now I got to fight with to get services, and now I got to fight with my insurance company, and now I got to fight with the school. And to bring a lawyer in feels like it's an additional fight, but I wanted to make the point that it's not. Sometimes having a lawyer there means that one of the fights gets pulled off of your table, and I don't think the parents looked at it that way enough. Um, but I think that this is a wonderful example of somebody who felt like they were, I don't want to put words in their mouth, but you know, sometimes you feel like you're beating your head against a wall. And suddenly you talk to a lawyer, the lawyer says, just do X, Y, and Z. And sometimes that is enough um, for the school district to go, oh, okay, this person knows the rules. We, you know, we got to stop. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to make it sound like I think that all school administrators are, are just trying to get away with something, but I do want to say to people as a former teacher, there's only enough funding for like 40% of the kids who actually need something in our schools. That's, I don't, I, my number might be slightly off, but IDEA is not fully funded. So they don't have enough money to give everybody what they're legally entitled to. And that's that, really, that really is the issue. That really is the issue. It's not it about is. bad teachers or uncaring teachers. No. It's about the, the things that the system forces people into doing because it's an underfunded um, mandate. Yes. And, you know, I don't mean to be like a smart aleck, but when you said most parents don't feel like they have a legal case. Right. We all do. If you have a special we, ed kid, you we, do. We would tell you that if we took 10 of you and sat down with you and um, review the last two years of your educational file, we're pretty confident that we could make a, a, you know, a decent legal case because most of the time the districts aren't offering FAPE yeah. and most of the time they cut corners. And they're doing it simply because they have to. I do want to, you know, we, we try really hard on this show to not get political, but I do think it's important that if you're looking at candidates, ask, you know, and asking the question, who should I be voting for here? You want to look at who is going to fully fund IDEA um, because it isn't fully funded. And until it is fully funded, these are the games that we're going to play. Because and they're it, so time consuming and they're so expensive. Oh, Oh yeah, the money that, you know, and, and listen, I love Bonnie, but the money that, that they do have, which isn't enough for every kids, off, often goes towards their lawyers to protect their position and doesn't actually go towards helping kids. So well, that, that's true, but it's worse than that because every case you do as an attorney where the school district settles with you, nine times out of 10, they pay attorney's fees. And, it, you know, if you're if you're an attorney like me and you're honest with yourself, you're taking money out of the public school system. And maybe that's, you know, maybe the end justifies the means because parents are not getting a fair shake. But I would certainly prefer to have a system where the, the way we resolve disputes isn't like this, because I believe if the money were in the system, parents would go to IEP meetings and districts and parents would roll up their sleeves and have really good collaborative discussions and they get to it. And that's what needs to happen. Yeah. No, I mean, all the lawyers that are doing special ed, we can find another way to earn a living. Most of us yeah. would like to see the tragedy of special ed, the trail of tears, the being in the trenches, the only being able to fix one kid at a time. Enough, you know, yeah. enough. Absolutely. I know what the first time, uh, you know, I have a unique circumstances that twice my school district filed due process against us. We did not file, they filed, which is very unusual and unusual that they did it twice. Um, and the first time that I they said did they it, wanted to shut you down, Shannon. Oh, well, we know that's what that was. But, um, but the first time that they did it, I remember somebody told me that just the process of filing for due process that they were already $15,000 into their lawyers. And that made me so mad that I went in and I said, you just spent $15,000 to cheat my kid out of what is his legal right. You better fasten your seatbelts. Uh, I, I recall saying something along, you have, you, you have picked the wrong parent to piss off. <laughs> but they did it again. Um, so anyway. I like uh, that fasten your seatbelt. Nice, Shannon. Fasten your seatbelt. 
um because we can, were can we just with... all acknowledge all of us that are listening now that shannon is like such a kick-ass <laughs> advocate oh. for people can i tell you how many tears i cried i cried so hard and so long that my husband was like do i need to call an ambulance because i couldn't believe that they were doing this when when here was my child who just needed something yeah. and they were trying actively trying to screw him out of it and that ah oh, just makes and, and of course i understand they didn't have enough for everyone but this is why we got to fix that um and we can we need to fully fund idea and we should have done it decades ago but here we are. All right, we are officially out of time, but Bonnie uh, is with the Tolner Law Offices. Bonnie, tell us how we can reach them and by extension you. Just Google it. I looked it up last week, what the actual website oh, is. I promise you. So yeah, T-O-L-L-N-E-R. And really what Bonnie would like is for some questions to come in for next week. That would be okay. really, that would be really appreciated. But, but it's got to be for two weeks because uh, next week is on Monday is Labor Day and we won't be here. Ah, okay. Twice as much time. Listeners. That's right. And we know that in two weeks, there's going to be questions because by then everybody's going to be back to school and everybody's going to need to depend undergarment because there's some stuff is going to hit the fan. Uh, I think it's hitting the fan. Uh, there we go. Yeah. All right, Bonnie, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for being with us uh, and give our love to everybody at Tolner Law. Thank you, everybody. I enjoyed the conversation. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And hey, you guys, as we close out the show, I just want to say, remember, get checked uh, for colorectal cancer. Please do that. And also we are back tomorrow with one of our best of the best with Temple Grandin. But on Wednesday, we're back with Dr. Dorian Grampiche live with us on Wednesday. You're not gonna wanna miss that. So until tomorrow with Dr. Temple Grandin, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.